blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. You are destroying the Constitution of the United States. May God have mercy on your souls. Good day. Yes. We could be saved if we just elected the right white man to power. That's creepy, but that's in a different category of creepy. Zitzu, zitzu, zitzu. Gary Geigers. Of course he introduced zoning laws. Okay. You know what? Don't. Yeah. The less I have to do with that game, the better. Here's my favorite part of the defense. Clodius was probably fucking his sister. Jughead, not Jarhead. I have nothing against Marines. I want to make okay. that very clear. I'd be really interested to find out what fucking truth that woman was trying to get at. And like with most episodes, I can bring it back to wrestling. Oh. Right, well, he's got other people who work for him who also do things, and, and they can okay. mutate okay. Uh, okay. human size into smaller worlds, after all. Fuck you. I still don't give a shit about getting fake property in a fantasy game. school level here in Northern California. And uh, in big nerd news for me, um, I participated in the Kickstarter campaign for uh, the Restoration Games Project for the Return to Dark Tower. And that was in 2019. (laughs) And uh, since then, uh, we've entered into a pandemic that still has not abated. Um, and that led to even more complications to the uh, process that with Kickstarter usually takes some time. Uh, and so it was uh, just uh, earlier today in January of 2022 that um, the, the game uh, actually um, showed up at uh, a friend's house having uh, made it across the Pacific uh, from its manufacture in China. <laughs> and uh, I am ridiculously excited to hopefully get my hands on it later this weekend. It, it got delivered uh, to my friend's place because at the time of the Kickstarter, um, timing being what it is with Kickstarter campaigns, I didn't have the cash lying around to pledge but I knew I was going to get the money. Uh, and so um, I put the call out for anybody to, you know, put the money down for me and I'd pay them back. And uh, my friend Brian Hay, who is a listener uh, of the show, uh, many, many, many thanks to you, sir, for that. Uh, and it's exciting for me because the original Dark Tower game was something I coveted so badly when I was about 10 years old. Um, and so for me, this is one of those wonderful, Hey, you know what? I'm a grown up, and I have my own money. 
and within certain limits, I can do what I want with it. Um, kind of moments for me. So that's that's what I have going on. Um, and at some point when it's safe again to have multiple people in the same room at once, um, we're, we're going to have to spend a couple of episodes talking about games, just like board games doing stuff. Cause I think, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So anyway, that's, that's what I've got going on. Who are you and what's happening there? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin and drama teacher up here in Northern California. Um, we actually just recently got a uh, escape room game, a Star Wars escape room game. Okay. Uh, and the kids uh, and I barely escaped Hoth um, and did, okay. not, did not escape uh, the next mission. We were smugglers captured by the Imperials. We did not escape the next mission in time because we made every goddamn error you could make and the carries <laughs> with it a one minute penalty. sans penalties we actually would have had two minutes to spare so yeah i'm hoping that when we try to escape from jakku this coming weekend that we might stand a chance all right so that's that's what i've got going on very cool yeah very cool now when last we spoke uh about this um yeah we had (laughs) just finished off uh the comic book version of v for vendetta yes and while interesting and fun and a fun episode in its own right, uh, whether it's with a comic book writer or uh, or with yourself, yeah, uh, the, the real meat on the bone for me was comparing that to the movies because they both went off of the same source material in very different places and times. Yes. So about a generation apart, too. So uh, give or take. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So... Let's talk about the V for Vendetta movie. Have you seen it? Oh, I have. Yes, sir. Okay, wonderful. Uh, now, when I went and saw it, it was at the Dome Theaters and they when they existed. And I literally walked oh, there from yeah, okay. my house. It was back when I was, if not newly married, newly uh, moved into the apartments over there. And my wife at the time worked nights. So I would treat myself okay. to movies from time to time. So okay. One of the movies I did that. I, another one was Collateral, which, eh. yeah, 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 but 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 yeah, okay. V for Vendetta. All right. Mm-hmm. So Hugo Weaving mm-hmm. as V. Yes. Um. Uh. Uh. uh and I'm forgetting Portman. his first name. Natalie Portman, of course, as mm-hmm. as. Uh, oh Evie. my God, Evie, mm-hmm. and um, in in a in a remarkable. Oh, I'm going uh, to dramatic get to turn. Get to the stunt casting. Uh, Stephen Fry. Well, I'm just going to mention oh, Stephen okay. Fry as oh, Evie's yeah. kind of boss. Um, yeah. Interesting, because of course, in our in in the episode uh, talking about Sherlock Holmes, of course, Hugh Laurie portrayed House as a, mm-hmm. as an interpretation of of Holmes, and uh, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry kind of got famous in Britain together. Oh. Uh, in their sketch comedy show, a bit of Fry and Laurie. Mm. So in my own head, they're always interlinked because that was nice. Yeah. So anyway, uh, sorry, massive tangent, but uh, yeah. Remarkable cast. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. And, and directed by the Wachowski siblings. Oh crap. I had forgotten that detail. (laughs) Like big deal. You know, remarkably enough, for the Wachowskis, it's a pretty straightforward flick. 
like you look at you look at V for Vendetta, mm-hmm. you look at Speed Racer, mm-hmm. you look at the Matrix movies, mm-hmm. and V for Vendetta feels in some ways like the most conventional narrative. If you get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I can um, see that. I mean, Speed Racer, for example, is just like a candy-coated like acid trip mm-hmm. visually. Mm-hmm. Um, the Matrix movies, the original Matrix trilogy movies, are really heavy meta-reality, you know, what does reality even mean kind of, kind of stuff. And V for Vendetta is as robin we established hood. is this robin hood yeah, it's, yeah. And, and or it's robin hood as a revenge story yeah like you know although although v for vendetta is a person who was medically made one way by an establishment um and uh was not given full agency over that choice and who then wore a mask through a large portion of uh his life thereafter okay yeah, yeah. okay so. Good point. Yeah. All right. So uh, the history of the comic um, turning into the movie is actually kind of a sad history uh, from the artist's perspective. Um, Alan Moore maintains that DC all but stole the rights to uh, two of his favorite properties, V for Vendetta and The Watchmen. And it was their treatment of the Le- League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that soured him entirely. Oh, yeah. By the time V for Vendetta was in production, he had specifically asked DC to take his name off of those properties. Yes. And basically he was pissed and thinks that he was duped. And he said, quote, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was the reason why I decided to take my name off of all subsequent films. Yep. He goes on. Yeah. A lot of things which had to do with League made me decide I really wanted nothing to do with the American film industry in any way, shape or form. Uh, which is why I asked DC if I could possibly have my name taken off of the films and the money redistributed. This went fine with Constantine film. This was because my name was never going to be, uh, was never going to go on the Constantine film in the first place because that had gone so well. I distributed the money amongst the other artists and my name hadn't been on the film and I was completely happy. I assumed when the DC, when DC then sent me the paperwork so I could sign my money over to David Lloyd on the V for Vendetta film, this was going to go fine. Uh, It didn't. I had an American producer actually lying about my involvement in the film, which made me look like a liar. When I said I'm not taking any money for these films and I'm not interested in them, he makes a statement. And that's completely dishonest and was saying the complete opposite. So I felt I had to, I had to, at that point, exercise my judge, my, sorry, exercise my right to completely sever myself from DC comics. If assuming that they weren't able to just get a simple retraction, nothing humiliating, just a simple retraction, apology and a clarification that would have said, we regret that due to a misunderstanding, blah, 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 that would have been all. DC told me they were really trying hard to get that. I kind of got the idea that, in fact, they probably were just hoping. Were just hoping if they stalled long enough, it wouldn't blow or it would blow over, and there wouldn't be anything uh, I was able to do about it. After a few weeks, it turned out they hadn't been trying to get any apology or retraction, or at least not very hard. They certainly weren't able to offer one, or or they weren't able to offer one that was anything like what I'd asked for. At this point, I said that it's uh, I said, that's it. I'm not working for DC again. And I also still want my name off this film. 
if they don't take my name off this film, I will be taking my name off the books because it means that much to me to sever my connection with the whole painful business. There's more. Wow. The way I've left it is, <clears throat> all right, DC can take my name off of V for Vendetta and stop paying me the money. And if that doesn't happen, take my name off of all the books and stop paying me the money. So no telling where this one could run to. I mean, believe me, I would be completely happy if my name came off of everything I do not own. I'm not expecting DC Comics to be shamed by my asking to have my name taken off the work. I don't think anyone's going to be shamed. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, on some levels, like I really like that he was like, yeah, take my money and give it to someone else. Specifically, oh, yeah. give it to David Lloyd. He illustrated it. Um, I thought that was pretty rad. Uh, on other levels, it's like. Either either make a better deal up front, man, or like don't don't do well. He learned, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I do want to say like, well, you shouldn't have done it in the first place, but he learned he learned from yeah. it. But like. There's a lot of bitterness there. And he does seem like the kind of guy who has these wonderful toys who gets mad if you play with them the wrong way. It's, it's interesting. He, he has these wonderful toys. Mm -hmm. He kind of gets mad if you play with them the wrong way. But he also um, has in, in other interviews, he's, he's referred to, and I don't remember whether he's he's the one who's actually done it or if he's he's made a reference to another writer. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm blanking on how the whole quote goes, but he says, you know, um, effectively, um, I, I think he's talking about another writer, and I don't remember who it was. Somebody asked this other writer, you know, how how do you feel about you know people people ruining your books uh, when they make them into movies? Mm -hmm. And and he he takes this this journalist or whoever it is into his library and says, my books are all there up on the shelf. They haven't See, been ruined. They're right there. That's been my my thing. When remember, and when Star I'm Wars... wondering, and now and now I'm wondering if I'm attributing to Alan Moore a quote from Neil Gaiman. That might be because you Which remember when maybe. when I uh, when Star Wars sold to disney and then yeah. disney canceled all the books as canon yeah they're no longer canon everybody everybody knew me i mean every anybody who knows me knows that i have like all the star wars books pre that sale yeah um and everybody who knew me came to me like damon what do you think and i'm like what do you mean what do i think and like, well, disney bought the thing and then uh, now they're not canon i'm like they didn't come to my house and burn them <laughs> so i'm good <laughs> I'm good. We're, we're I'm okay. I'm interested in what Disney does, quite honestly, because yeah. fucking I'd love for anybody else to not have to go through Planet of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on the Crystal Star. You know, like I'd be fine if Disney cherry picked and took like, you know, maybe there's a male and a female who are connected through the force who end up having to fight to the end. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe the male is uh, turns to the dark side and acts like his grandfather and starts to take the wrong lessons. Huh? Yeah, you know, maybe it'd be that'd be kind of cool. See what yeah. they could do with it. Maybe there's a blue skinned Sherlock Holmesian kind of villain uh, with with red eyes. Maybe they can do something with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not there. Um, I've not created anything so precious that uh, if if it sold and people completely bastardized it, I uh, I've been upset by it yet. And maybe I would be. Uh, but yeah. So V for Vendetta was acquired by DC and it had a number of pressings since the mid 1980s. Yeah, by 2006, DC had sold over 500,000 copies of V for Vendetta. That's way better than than more did. Like I said, it was not yeah. a successful comic commercially. Now, the Wachowski siblings were interested since the mid 90s, and after the Matrix blew up, they had the capital to get their way. The Warner Brothers optioned the movie, and the Wachowski sibs modernized the script and they Americanized the script more, heavily. Yeah, more didn't heavily. like that either. No. Um, to him, the movie ceased to be about the extreme ideologies of anarchism and fascism and England specifically, and it became an American version that lacked the satirical content that he purposely explored. Um, which shock Americans do British satire poorly. Yeah. Moore stated that the story now, so just keep in mind, DC bought V for Vendetta from Moore. And then they farmed it out to the Wachowskis to transfer it to another medium. So it's it's a third step, or it's a it's a second step away from the original artist and, and yeah. his intent. Moore stated that the story quote has been turned into a Bush era parable, uh, to uh, by people too timid to set a political satire in their own country. It's a thwarted and frustrated and largely impotent American liberal fantasy of someone with American liberal values standing up against a state run uh, by neoconservatives, which is not what the comic V for Vendetta was about. It was about fascism. It was about anarchy. It was about England. Okay. Uh, pretty strong statements. Mm-hmm. I think. I think he has a point. Uh huh. I think his point. I think he is stating his point in a kind of a get off my lawn kind of way. But um, I mean, that doesn't invalidate his point, but he kind of comes across a little bit like a crank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really does. Which which he kind of is. I mean, yes. Also in, true. in other in other interviews in more recent years, mm-hmm. it's it's him and Frank Miller have both kind of in in different in different ways. They've both wound up at the you know cranky old man you know shaking yeah. fist at cloud, right? Uh, you know, kind of kind of realm. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think there is definitely something valid in what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here, but here's the thing. I think anytime you create something that somebody else adapts, like there's there's going to be other people are going to view it through a different prism. Yep. Other yep. people are going to pick up on and latch on to other parts of it or other aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, certainly our sensibilities in the united states as a mass culture mm-hmm. are more blunt for lack of a better word that's yeah. kind of the term that comes across we we don't we we don't tend to go for subtlety yeah well we're also in, much in the younger US. as a country it, well yeah it is that too uh you know it's part of part of the reason but mm-hmm. you know and and so 
like, I mean, the moment the movie got made by Americans, well, yeah, it's going to get Americanized. Like mm-hmm. there's no, yeah. there's, there's no way to prevent that. Like, I mean, you can, you certainly as a creator of a work can have an opinion about how somebody else has adapted it, mm-hmm. but I don't know it, 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 the, the, I understand his, his bitterness about the way the business worked out. Sure. But I think his bitterness about the way the business worked out colors his statements and his his perception yeah. of what the Wachowskis did with the story. Yeah, I mean, I think he's right. The movie, despite being set in England, is not about England. And and he is right that it involved it avoids all kinds of shit that's really important, like the racism, the white supremacy, the ethnostate bullshit of the ruling party's fascism. It even leaves out the fascism, but it and and alludes to it not so subtly. But I think ultimately he gets kind of purity testy uh, here. Like and he I, runs I'd, his- I'd I'd leave out the kind of I think he gets purity yeah. testy, and yeah. and I think, and I I think. It bothers me. I mean, I, I understand where it comes from, but mm-hmm. it it bothers me when I hear anybody to the left of liberals mm-hmm. being so condescending when they use the term liberal. Like from the right, I know that you know the Republican Party in the United States has has campaigned successfully to turn the word liberal into a slur. Yeah, but they in, don't mean in the it public in the, in the public way. consciousness. Yeah, I know that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying. And the thing is, it, it it like I take it for granted coming from the right, but when it's coming from the left, I don't know. Just for me, like on on a, on, a, on an entirely different level, and as somebody who doesn't identify as a liberal, it still bugs me because liberals have done a good job of casting themselves as a reasonable middle. And I would, I would say that leftists are, and, and we're seeing it bear out quite honestly, the leftists are not wrong about liberals. They, they would rather lose to fascists than they would lose to the left. And they would rather lose to fascists than they would turn leftward. Like we're seeing that time. And again, Jimmy Carter just wrote an op-ed. Uh, just the other day and Jimmy Carter's brilliant man brilliant brilliant man and and has oh my god the biggest heart um he wrote an op-ed I think in the New York Times just the other day and he said mm-hmm. you know the, the real problem is that we're all so divided we need to just come together which I've never like like the reason we're all so divided is kind of the thing you should probably talk about there Jimmy um, and, and yeah. it doesn't really. And, and he even said, you know, we're like on the precipice of, of losing democracy. Like he gets started, but then he goes center um, like a good liberal. Um, mm. And and I think leftists have a legitimate gripe. Uh, they've seen generations and generations of using leftist talking points and then abandoning them as soon as you get into power to court the right, even though the right keeps pulling sideways. So. Yeah, you know, and and at the same time, I I don't disagree with you because I think that the left can sometimes get caught up in its purity test stuff and its hatred of liberals for betraying their principles over and over again and and running to the center, um, thinking that the center is always is thinking that moderation is an ideology instead of a temperament, um, but at the same time, if if a liberal 
if a liberal retelling of V for Vendetta popularizes the idea that you should, you know, stand up to fascism, even if it's a watered down version of what Alan Moore did, it's still reaching a mainstream audience and bringing some of those ideas, not in their purest form, but he is bringing some of those ideas to people who would not have seen it. And in fact, uh, you know, the, the movie led to people buying the comic book. So now people yeah. are going back to the source material and they are reading Alan Moore's work. Um, and they've done that only after they saw the movie. And since the comic is from two decades earlier, it's obviously going to be a snapshot. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a relic of 1980s England, which is not going to appeal to people in a massive way. But now that you have given them a <clears throat> palette setter, uh, not so much a cleanser, but a palette setter, uh, now they're able to understand better the source material when they read it. And, and you've gotten their attention to yeah. get them to do the deeper reading. Right. So like, I think that's all good stuff. And I think he missed the forest for the trees there. I think he has a legit gripe as a leftist about liberals. I yeah. also think that he got too precious about it was a certain place in time. And that's all it is, you know, and, and, and that yeah. you should stick to that because then that's that's limiting it and keeping it from reaching people like. Yeah. And, and ultimately, um, leftists didn't really need to hear that message as much no. as liberals did. So. I'm kind of cool with it. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I also, the movie is a lot of fun and I'm easily entertained, but like just from an <laughs> ideological perspective, like I think Alan Moore, again, it's one of those, he's so right and he gets it so wrong still. And, and I'm okay with that. Now, yeah. David Lloyd, his co-creator on V for Vendetta, he liked the movie. He said, quote, it's a terrific film. The most extraordinary thing about it for me was seeing the scenes that I'd worked on and crafted for maximum effect in the book translated to the film with the same degree of care and, and effect the transformation scene between natalie portman and hugo weaving is just great if you happen to be one of those people who admires the original so much that changes to it will automatically turn you off then you may dislike the film but if you enjoyed the original and can and can and can accept an adaptation that is different to its source material but equally as powerful then you'll be as impressed as i was with it um He's clearly not as stuck to the purity of the art, uh, given the importance of the message and yeah. given the evolution of the art. Well, and given now, the evolution of, yeah. of the world since then, I mean, also true. Yeah. Now, keep you know, in mind, this movie came out 15 years ago, 16 years ago, because we're old. Um, I would also point out that David Lloyd. Me. <laughs> I would also point out that David Lloyd wants people to go see the movie because he makes more money from it <laughs> so <laughs> like, ain't nothing wrong like, with that yeah but it you be know acknowledged, yeah well you know? yeah so but yeah, i do want to fiduciary out, interest and in. yeah you know um i do want to check out what more got right though um despite his purity testing and despite all that um from the time that he wrote and published v for vendetta and its resurgence with dc and with the movies, a lot of the world had changed. Alan Moore's warning against fascism and nuclear uh, and nuclear war seemed quaint by the early 2000s, largely due to the war on terror. Uh, ever prescient, he called out in the upcoming generation who would see V for Vendetta on screen. Um, uh, he called it out 
and and wh- which he thoroughly disassociates himself from. Obviously, he said, "quote They think they're growing up under the threat of Islamic jihad. They're in fact growing up under the threat of nuclear winter, just like we were." Yeah. But if you dig deeper, he's actually not far from the mark. Um, quote. I was saying back in 1981 or whenever it was, I was setting this in in the absurdly far future period of 1997 where Britain would be run by a computer centralized right wing government and to show what they really were uh, to show what they really were a nasty right wing government. The easiest and quickest shorthand was to put monitor cameras on every street corner in 1997 in England. I believe it first began in the town of Kings Lynn. And they had monitor camera saturation where you could track somebody from one end of the town to the other without them ever going off camera. And when this was successful, they shipped it into every town in the British Isles. So, yes, there are monitor cameras everywhere. Yep. It's fairly obvious. It's what I would do if I were going to start a fascist political state. So I assume that it's what anyone would would do. It's like terrorism. If you're talking about people here being more frightened of dying in a jihad. No offense but that is perhaps more of an American perception than a global one. You have to remember that over here, there were teenagers being taken out of cellar bars in separate carrier bags all through the 70s and 80s because of the war in Northern Ireland, which in that case, the IRA were largely being supported by donations from America. That was why I was a bit worried when George Bush said he was going to attack people who supported terrorism. I thought, oh my God, Chicago is going to be declared a rogue state and they're going to hunt down Teddy Kennedy and people like that. Uh huh. So now the movie departs strongly from the comic in that it generalizes fascism into a series of images. It mentioned Islam maybe twice and often in the same breath as queer folk. Nothing yes. about white nationalism, nothing about hypermilitarism. And it, it actually kind of doesn't have to because those things are done via montage or they're ignored. Yeah. Um, the focus of the movie becomes V. Uh, it becomes his quest to right a wrong to save England and by extension, Western culture from itself. He fights against the specific cruelties and hypocrisies of those in power in the movie, and he punishes them for their transgressions. He also tortures Evie into her existential choice, and she grows from all of it. Uh, So I want to, I want to take a second while we're talking about, while Mm -hmm. we're talking about Evie here. Oh, okay. (laughs) And specifically about that. Okay. Um, and and well, okay. Are are we going? And maybe maybe later would be a better time to do it. But I, I, the perception specifically of V as a heroic figure by fanboys bugs the shit out of me. And and hmm. so are we gonna are we gonna get into that? Uh, yeah. Later? Okay. Yeah, and we are gonna get into the existential stuff with Evie. So okay. Don't think right. that I've said only that about it and I'm going to leave. Okay. But okay. having said that, feel free to, um, you know, at least give the abstract version of your, your shit being bugged out of you. The, the, the thing that consistently pisses me off and, mm-hmm. and it came up in, in an internet conversation, I don't know, just a couple of weeks ago um, on, on one of those, you know, alignment chart memes, mm-hmm. somebody had put a V on an alignment chart, chaotic neutral. And I looked at that and went, okay, well, Alan Moore had him, you know, being the avatar of anarchism. So mm-hmm. makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah. 
And some, you know, screaming fanboy in the comments said, well, you know, V ought to be chaotic good. And like he tortured a, I mean, in the comics, Mm -hmm. essentially a teenage girl Mm -hmm. into like nearly a psychotic break, maybe not even nearly a psychotic break. Right. I mean, you know, tortured her to the point of mental collapse. Yeah. And like, there's no way, like, no, no, (laughs) he's not, he's not a hero in that good aligned, you know, daring do hero kind of sense. Mm -hmm. He, he is an agent of like at best he's an agent of chaos. It's entirely possible. You could argue, you know, he's motivated by revenge, which is what we talked about when we talked about the comic book. Right. You know, so, I mean, you could potentially argue that he he might even fall under chaotic evil, depending on the way you want to interpret it, right? Because of because of the lengths to which he's willing to go, yeah. And 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 the, I mean, if you're willing to call Batman chaotic failure, or lawful evil, then you you'd have a hard time backtracking from calling Batman lawful evil and calling B anything but chaotic evil. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with that take. And, you know, the, the, I think the biggest failing from a, from a storytelling standpoint Mm -hmm. of the film is, I think it left an awful lot of room for V since you say the movie, you mentioned the movie focuses on him instead of being about England and about the political ideas It focuses mm-hmm. on him. And by doing that, it makes it way too easy for people who don't pay attention or don't think about what they're watching mm-hmm. to get all rah-rah about him uncritically. Right. And, and have it turn into hero worship kind of mm-hmm. situation and that just it just it, it it gets under my skin it pisses me off so well and then if you take evie and look at evie in many ways she's the avatar not he of the national character of england um, oh yeah the difference is that his chaos is a means to an end it's not chaos just for its own sake this is true and and it's it's um it's not the means to an end, uh it but it's a means to an end. Yes. Um, it's no longer about the freedom and the destruction necessary with anarchism, uh, which is used to destroy fascism. The movie is about mass action. It's about peaceful protests, and it's about how we were all cowed into submission, and therefore we must all band together in protest and in peaceful confrontation that's where more is a hundred percent right this is a liberal fantasy of what he had um in mind because he was much more focused on the generalized riots in the streets not so much the everybody wearing the mask at the end and the movie ends with two hundred fifty thousand people storming the government and soldiers standing down and just letting them pass peaceably despite um oh all of uh, the indoctrination, all of the 
Oh, no, everything was, that would be involved. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, yes, also that. But honestly, they weren't indoctrinated so much as they were cowed into submission, just kind of like, you know, go along, get along. But the uh, head investigator, uh, whose name I keep forgetting, uh, well, it's Prothro, but the actor, yeah. Yeah. but he has this wonderful monologue of like, you know, and they're like, well, what'll happen next? He says, what usually happens when people without guns run into people with guns? Like he's narrating it the way it's supposed to happen. And then it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Very liberal fantasy. Um, the only time I've ever seen that happen is when it's the grandmothers in, in Argentina saying, uh, where's my kids yeah. uh, to the police. Uh, so yeah, 250,000 people storm the government soldiers stand down. They pass peaceably. Then everybody removes their guy Fox masks. And we see that V is all of us. The disease is cured. Yay. We gave everybody a pe- Pepsi. And Kendall <laughs> Jenner was there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so, I mean, there's meat on the bone for his, his complaint. Again, we can be, yeah. we can take him to task for being cranky and, and a bit precious, but he is, he is right. Now, whether or not we think that that is a good development is the question. I say that it is a good development because it popularizes his message overall. Yes, it oh, waters it down. Um, others would say, no, it's the purity of the message that, that counts. And, and that's, you know, that that is literally a valid disagreement. Yeah, uh, I that, mean, is, that is something exclusive that, too. Yeah, that is that is one of those points that can be, okay, we'll agree to disagree on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. In, mm-hmm. in the broad sense, um, mm-hmm. I think I, I think it is disappointing to me that I, I feel like that ending being kind of pablum and, and being, mm-hmm. as, as you've said, a, a liberal fantasy, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we don't need wish fulfillment in these kinds of stories as a culture we need we need to take responsibility we need to we need to be willing to recognize that there are consequences that there are that there are sacrifices yeah. that need to be made and that um, things aren't just going to magically get fixed because you, know, you had one march because you had one march there's there's yep. a great uh meme going around that, that i saw a while back that says if your plan involves on everyone just anything <laughs> yeah it's not gonna work because i like it everyone is not going to just right like, clearly <laughs> if everyone would just fill in the blank that's right. that's that's it's never gonna happen like right. you can't you can't base any kind of expectation, social expectation, movement, anything on that. True. And I kind of feel like this ending. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw the movie, it didn't bug me, but later later viewings it bugs me intensely. Is like, well, and everyone just you know got out and marched, and but the soldiers mind, just you know decided is- that it was morally wrong to mm-hmm. shoot people and. You know, and this is like, 2006, though. You have to keep in mind, it is not 2022. 
It's 2006. That's true. This would be a very different movie getting made now exactly. in the wake in the wake of exactly looks around at everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's his speech in the TV uh, on on from the TV on the movie, uh, and he's calling folks out, and then he asks them to join him. He didn't ask them to join him in the comic. That's a really stark difference. But here's his quotes from the movie. It says, "Good evening, London." Allow me first to apologize for this interruption. I do, like many of you, appreciate the comforts of the everyday routine, the security of the familiar, the tranquility of repetition. I enjoy them as much as the next bloke, or as much as any bloke. But in the spirit of commemoration, whereupon important events of the past, usually associated with someone's death or the end of some awful bloody struggle, are celebrated with a nice holiday. I thought we could mark this November the 5th, a day that is sadly no longer remembered by taking some of the time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. There are, of course, those who did not want us to speak. I suspect even now orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. Why? Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning. And for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth and the truth is there's something terribly wrong with this country, uh, isn't there? Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. Uh, and where once you had the freedom to object, to think and to speak as you see, saw fit, you now have the censors and the symptoms, systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting your submission. How did this happen? Who is to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only to look in a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There are a myriad of problems which you can, which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your uh, common sense. Fear got the best of you. And in your panic, you turned to the now high chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order. He promised you peace. And all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. Last night, I sought to end that silence. Last night, I destroyed the old Bailey building to remind uh, the old Bailey to remind this country of what it has forgotten. More than 400 years ago, a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November and forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So if you've seen nothing, if the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, then I would suggest that you allow the 5th of November to pass as unmarked. But if you see what I see, if you feel as I feel, and if you would seek as I seek, then I ask you to stand beside me one year from tonight outside the gates of Parliament, and together we shall give them a 5th of November that shall never, ever be forgotten. Now, as a Catholic, I'm sure you have something to say about Guy Fox. Oh, boy, do I have some things to say about Guy Fox. <laughs> yeah, me too. Fucking Guy Fox. Yeah. Um, and the other 10, by the way. It ain't just. Well, yeah, yeah. But but he's he's the one that that captured the popular ima yeah. imagination because he was he was the one they like actually caught like trying yeah. to actually blow the building up. So, yeah. well, and and again, <clears throat> this it's it's one of those. It's clear that people don't know their fucking history. How much love there is for Guy Fox. Well, okay, I don't genuinely know, mm -hmm. and and it would be it would be something I'd like to hear from perhaps any of our listeners who are in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I don't think in the United Kingdom that there is love for Guy Fox. 
I think people in the United Kingdom have a a profoundly different view of him than V uh, uh, describes, uh, simply because, of course, <clears throat> it was Parliament, which was the the uh, you know the voice of the people, the representative government of the people of England, mm-hmm. that he was trying to destroy with you know enough gunpowder to blow chunks of the building half a mile, right. By the way, by the way, car-sized chunks, because um, <clears throat> he he and his co-conspirators didn't understand the the power of the explosives they were using. Um, so he wasn't even really a competent uh, uh, terrorist. But what what I mean fundamentally is is so egregiously teeth grindingly wrong about that characterization is that he and his co-conspirators were a bunch of fucking bigots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think in Britain, the way Guy Fox gets taught that they understand that now I'm, I'm going to argue that for a very, very long time, Guy Fox night, the 5th of November was a profoundly anti-Catholic in general holiday. Mm-hmm. So the commemoration of the whole thing may have been skewed maybe a little too far in the other direction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that as the Catholic and stable, of course. Um, but I, I don't think in, in England he's held up as some kind of folk hero. Yeah, no, it's it's much more. Bonf- you know, First off, it's bonfire night. Yeah. Uh, second off, it's it's largely it's bonfire night is very similar to our. In terms of yeah, I would say it's similar to our July the fourth. Um, in terms in of a lot of ways, it's an excuse to to get together with your neighbors. Uh, for them, it's a toffee apple and yeah. a bunch of fireworks. For us, yeah. it's way too goddamn much meat and a bunch of fireworks. Yes. Like like there are some people who are like, you know, hey, this matters to me on a patriotic level, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but by and large, it's, Den- nowadays, yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and and that seems to be the read on Bonfire Night for most uh yes. most most folks uh, over yes. there. And and um it should be noted at the founding of our own country. Mhm. Uh, or at the time of the founding of, of the United States, uh, Bonfire Night was celebrated by the colonies. The colonists yeah, well, they celebrated English. Bonfire Night, <laughs> and yes, and and many of their pageants were profoundly anti-Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mass- oddly, well, not oddly at the time, uh, not oddly at all. Massachusetts was apparently particularly virulently so. Hmm. Um, which, you know, based on the demographics of modern Boston might shock some people, but this is before all the Irish got transported there. Exactly. So <laughs> it's a different, different time period. Historicity yeah. is a thing. But, you know, um, the, the entire reason it, it wasn't, it, it had nothing to do with liberty. The plot was to install, to try to install a Catholic monarch on the throne and undo everything that the Stuarts up to that point had done in favor of religious tolerance. Right. 
so it's it's the world turned upside down it's this bizarre funhouse mirror kind of kind of uh, uh distortion of the historical record mm-hmm. when guy fox gets characterized that way and so i i think anybody who has heard lots of people who have heard the name guy fox here in the united states has this a historical connection to it and they they hear what v says and they're like oh this is an english thing okay well yeah. you know he was this folk hero like no he right. was a religious fucking terrorist well i think our understanding you know, of guy fox and bonfire night first off we don't we don't call it bonfire night uh but our understanding and people will just post stupid shit online on november 5th uh but our understanding of it is kind of akin to our understanding of cinco de mayo and St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Okay, I can see that. I am I'm going to There's a fetishizing. There's yeah, there's aspect. definitely a fetishes. Yeah, okay. I can and I, a total I, I lack of understanding that. of what it actually means. <laughs> like yeah. the only thing is it's I the think... one that we don't actually drink on, which is kind of funny. Because yeah, it is. We, we usually use other people's holidays as a as a chance to as an squashed. excuse to get shit faced. Yeah, and we didn't with this one, which is I'm I'm going to I'm going to say that in certain parts of the country, uh, St. Patrick's Day might be better understood than Cinco de Mayo or Bonfire Night. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. You know, but by and large, but in but terms but of by the, and the large, national zeitgeist about it. If you oh, look at yeah, the way well, it's I mean, marketed, etc., etc. Well, yeah, yeah if, look, if you look at the way it's marketed, and if you look at you know mainstream parody America, yeah, no, right, yeah, no. no. So yeah, now okay. at this time, Natalie Portman's and Hugo Weaving stars were rising, so it made sense to cast the both of them. Yes, uh, they'd both shown tremendous range in other things, but the casting that I consider to be a bit of stunt casting is John Hurt. He plays Adam Sutler, who in the comic book was called Adam Susan, yes. the fascist dictator whose face appears on an enormous screen, overpowering and overwhelming the other characters in the audience. Uh, what's interesting there is that John Hurt played Winston Smith in 1984, a man who was crushed by the totalitarian government of his time. And now he's yes. the disembodied head avatar of a totalitarian government. And that parallel did not go unnoticed by movie critics. Ebert said that he looked like the embodiment of Big Brother. Now, the film itself was very successful. It made $132 million box office. And this is back in the days when DVD sales were a big part of how they would budget and, and project how much money they'd make. It made mm-hmm. another $58 million in DVD sales. Oh, wow. 132 plus 100 plus, I'm sorry, 132 plus 58 is $190 million. Yep. Not a single cent of which did Alan Moore accept. Yes. Hugo Weaving, who played V in the movie, discussed the overall disparity between graphic novel and the movie. He said, quote, Alan Moore was writing about something which happened some time ago. It was a response to the living to living in Thatcherite Britain. This is a response to the world in which we live today. So I think that the film and the graphic novel are two separate entities. Now, again, he wants people to go see the movie. He also doesn't, which means he's, he's kind of cutting to the middle. Like, hey, he did something great there. We're doing something great here. You should come see it. But Alan Moore is a good man. 
And while the film was commercially successful, it was critiqued rather universally as not going far enough and being puerile in its approach. In The Atlantic, V for Vendetta's climatic destruction of ar architecture is vapid. Uh, quote, in detonating Westminster, the Wykowskis and McTeague go at once too far and not far enough. Too far in expecting us to applaud the senseless destruction of one of the historical cathedrals of democracy and not far enough in hesitating to make the point by blowing up the White House or the Capitol Dome, the true targets of their juvenile political ire. Their film is a bank shot against Bush, simultaneously radical and cowardly. In the end, it's not clear which characteristic is the most embarrassing. Yeah, well, that's the Atlantic, which is a Republican rag. I would say that it is a conservative-leaning, really well-done intellectual thing. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't think that you, I actually think that there's very good reasons why it needed to stay in England, and I'm going to get to them soon. Um, but I don't think that making it about uh, being anti-America uh, would have made it as commercially accessible uh, and oh, no. therefore wouldn't have gotten the message out. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly agree with that. Um, I, I'm, I'm mostly talking about their, their kind of dismissive tone of it in, in that way that it's like, well, you know, I mean, come on, you're calling, you're calling Bush a fascist, like, come right. on, come on. He's no, you're right. being over dramatic, you know, in, in that way that conservatives in this country did right every year until 2016. Right. And then they were categorically silent. And then no. they just shut up because like they couldn't keep that up anymore. Mm hmm. So now, a major difference between the two, as you can probably see, is that the comic is set in Britain, 1997, post-nuclear war. Uh, there's a totalitarian ethnostate that has been legally elected to power. The main tension is between an anarchist shaking people uh, and the government uh, shaking them both up and giving a second option to fascism. These are done directly. They are not done subtly. In the movie, it's England again but in 2020 which means we're two years past yes but really the setting is less important and frankly less specific it is however a call out to the patriot act lots of cameras as more oh, yeah. said hmm? oh yeah yeah explicitly and there is a not insignificant abundance of references to black bags similar to the ones that were used at abu Ghraib and guantanamo bay uh, in fact, several parallels are shown visually and usually in a montage atmosphere between Gitmo and what the Norse Fire government, also legally elected, had set up. There's more of a call out in the movie against citizen complacency, too, all of which is done through images, nothing actually direct. Sometimes, though, the impact of a film can be iconic, even if it's not critically acclaimed. And that brings me to the fox masks used in the movie. David Lloyd stated, quote, the Guy Fox mask has now become a common brand and a convenient placard to use in protest against tyranny. And I'm happy with people using it. It seems quite unique, an icon of popular culture being used this way. Again, he seems to be wanting to make people happy and say fairly milquetoast middle things. Now, it could just be that he is milquetoast and middle, too. Uh, v for Vendetta has been seen by many political groups as an allegory of oppression by its own government. Libertarians and anarchists have used it to promote their beliefs. Uh, 
interesting that libertarians do it, but then again, they try to appropriate everything. Moore also thought that uh, American audiences missed the mark with the mask. He said, quote, and also they're making way too much of this Guy Fox thing. Guy Fox was not a freedom fighter. He was a religious fanatic. I was just using Guy Fox as a symbol without really any references to the historical Guy Fox. It was the bonfire night Guy Fox that I was referencing with the uh, with that at the same time, easily available Guy Fox masks. Although weirdly, say we started doing V for Vendetta in 1980, something like that. Up until that point, every November, you'd be able to find fireworks and you'd be able to buy a Guy Fox mask even in the shops. And like you said, Fox definitely wasn't a hero. Quote, and, and Moore didn't see him as such either. He said, quote, yeah. I don't want to say he's the hero any more than I really want to say he's the villain. He's a force. It's funny with fascism or anarchy, yes, that they are the two poles of politics, but neither of them are actually, strictly speaking, a political system. Fascism is a kind of weird mystical system, and anarchy is an attempt to move beyond the need to be a politic and the need to manipulate large masses of people. So I tend to think V is pretty much an allegorical force, an idea given human form. And obviously, I have a lot of sympathy with some of his basic ideas, but I think that killing people is wrong. I think he both sized it there, quite honestly. Oh, he did. He totally yeah. did. Yeah. The thing is, he, 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 he's, he's a generation of, of his generation. He is a kind of ivory tower leftist. Yes. And yes. he wants to, he wants to be radical but he doesn't want to interrupt T. Mm-hmm. You know, way to put it. and his yeah. and his his policy ideas and his you know values are very profoundly left. But you know he he he's not he's not committed to radical action. Or you know he's committed to backing radical action like not everybody has to be out there doing the thing uh true plenty of support for it but for as loud as he is about it um and again yeah. there's also a need for propagandists but yeah now the mask yeah. did become an icon and it was not the icon that it set out to be as so often happens with icons uh anonymous and the occupy movement and project chenology uh, Guy Fox himself was a regressive man, part of the larger conspiracy of assholes who wanted to blow up illegally and democratically <laughs> for its time elected government. <laughs> I, I don't know why that hit me like it did, but conspiracy of assholes, just like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, and they wanted, that's to, it. they wanted to do this because they didn't like that their religion wasn't supreme. Yeah. Yeah. But the other groups that were mentioned uh, who adopted it, uh, they were all about the opposite. Um, adopted the Guy Fox mask. Uh, some of them adopted the anarchism that the comic promoted V is having. Um, and as the economy began to tank, the mask starts showing up more and more where activists and hacktivists coalesced, especially in Occupy Wall Street movement, as well as Arab Spring uh, a few years after that. Now, by this point, the Guy Fox image, specifically the one for V from, from V for Vendetta, was seen as a signal of popular protest. 
It was used throughout the early 2010s internationally, getting made in made illegal in a number of countries. Uh, even Canada banned its presence in a riot otherwise or otherwise unruly mob action. And as recently as October of 2019, the Hong Kong protesters started using them in protest against the government's anti-mask laws. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. which other countries outlawed them? So there's Canada. I know that, uh, like I said, uh, Hong Kong uh, has. Uh, well, Hong Kong has just banned masks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, any kind. Also, uh, anytime you see France on strike, you'll see some Guy Fox masks. Yeah. Um, anytime you see England protesting something the United States does, uh, you'll see a few Guy Fox masks. Um, okay. there were several at the Capitol. So, oi. Yeah. But the best example that I liked was from July of 2019 when nearly 100 anti vaxxers went to Comic-Con in San Diego. Now, these aren't the anti-COVID anti-vaxxers. These are the OG anti-vaxxers. Oh, yeah. The, the don't get vaccinated for the measles or right. chicken pox or Tdap or... Yeah. Right. Yeah. They went to Comic-Con in wearing fox masks to protest vaccines because you yeah. know what we know about Comic-Con is that it is the healthiest place on Earth. <laughs> i'm sorry as somebody who's been to san diego comic con a number of times yeah. that is that's that's Absolutely. literally that's literally laughable yeah. like like con is, crud a, is a thing it is, it is a miasma yes. of con crud yes. like like yeah i it, okay yeah sorry so, just, no it's fine oh my uh, god you're gonna love what they call themselves oh no b for vaccine Oh, 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 fuck, really? Yeah, here's what these fuckwits said. (laughs) They said, quote, good evening, San Diego. Allow me first to apologize for this interruption. We need to discuss the state of ignorance in this nation and across this globe. Your government, scientific and medical community has failed you. They have failed you. You are. No, you, you, you are the problem. If you want to talk about ignorance, look in a fucking mirror. Uh, let's see. Uh, they have failed to inform you of the very basic truths of vaccines. Oh, I love when people come down. No, to very basic no, they, truths. no, they, they, they haven't. They have exploited they haven't your failed. fear and your ignorance, and this has made it easy for them to strengthen vaccine mandates and eliminate exemptions that have been in place for decades. No, that's actually what you're trying to do. This is the beginning of the end of your ignorance. Activists right now are flooding the area with easy to digest truths about the vaccines. Armed tracked. with science so big You're and messages so tracked. short. Science You're... so big and messages so short, a rapid glance and the information is absorbed. Shall... <laughs> <laughs> you're literally you're literally telling us how stupid your manifesto is. And and that you're just here for the propaganda. Like, yeah. Its success like... is not the merits of its fucking case. It's that yeah. it's short and easy to remember. Yeah. <sighs> we shall continue education to demonstration until every man, woman, and child has appropriate knowledge of vaccine program. Your government, your media cannot stop our words of truth. Words will always retain their power. That power will enlighten society, giving them the ability to make informed decisions and the conviction to finally fight to retain their human rights. Tell me 
you failed government and high school biology without <laughs> telling me you right. failed government and high school biology. He goes on. Oh, must he? If we do not fight now, then there will be nothing left to fight for. Boy, was he wrong. Uh, <laughs> this was Comic-Con of 2019. 2019. Yeah, I know. The, the, the last one of the before times. Yeah. And, and yeah. if I recall correctly, Comic-Con happens in the midsummer. Yes. Yeah. Or early summer. Yeah. Yeah. July. Um, yeah. July, August. Yeah. And I think that this is where everyone in this room, I pray you realize how important you are in this historical moment. Uh, moment. We will never be stronger than we are right now. Sadly, mm-hmm. you were wrong. Yeah. We will never be healthier <sighs> than we are right now. He was you right. Might, you might have been right there. You got, you got one also for sadly, I don't know how many. Our children are looking like this. A generation of children, as we've said on the doctor's television show, that this is the first generation of children that will not live to be as old as their parents. They're right for the wrong reasons. For the wrong for the wrong reasons. Yes. Are we going to stand? Are we going to sit down and take it? Like he couldn't like what fucking improv game are you playing? Um <laughs> kneel <laughs> kneel sit. Are we going to kneel, sit, stand? Who's Wait, if I'm standing then you have to Come on. No, time out. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are or are we going to stand up and say this is a historic moment that my forefathers, those from who does he start with? Oh God, Guy Fox? No, Jefferson. No. Oh Jesus Christ! All the way to who does he end with? I don't know Roosevelt, Martin Luther King. Oh fuck you! Oh, the moments where people stood up and something inside of them said, "I'm going to stand for freedom and I'm going to stand for it now." That is in our DNA. Oh, 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 God. It is pumping through me, and I pray that you feel it pumping through you because we must look back. Okay, so he's bow, having sex. Chicka, doggy bow, style. Wow. Yeah. Our grandchildren will look back and thank us for having stood up one more time and been the generation that said, quote, we, the people of the United States of America, stood for freedom, stand for freedom. We will die for freedom today. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, we we will die you because got, of your you concept got, of freedom. you got that Again, one. You got that one right. Headbutted the point and how, accidentally missed it. Yeah how 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 much do you want to bet mm-hmm. that behind the guy fox mask, mm-hmm. this guy's complexion was the same fucking color of white? Like yeah. the the, oh, the I was the thinking extent, really pink actually, but yeah. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. but but the the extent of privilege oh yeah involved in in everything about that rant well like and that's the appropriation i know i know i well, well no the, the level of privilege involved in the anti-vaxxing hasn't yeah. changed because yeah. of, i mean it's all it's always been that way but but the the level of privilege involved in number one appropriating an anti-fascist speech mm-hmm to use it against a public health order mm-hmm. is is staggering. Yeah. Then the arrogance, the fucking the, arrogance, the incredible arrogance 
to 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 put Jefferson and Martin Luther King mm-hmm. in the same breath is like, and that you're the heir apparent to their and and and, the, and that you're the fight. heir apparent to their common fight, which how much it just shows you don't know anything about Jefferson, mm-hmm. like for one thing, because yeah, um, brilliant genius, shitty human being, um, but. But like um, Jefferson lived through multiple disease outbreaks and 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 was in favor of quarantine and inoculation and and, and inoculation. The word, the word back then, inoxiation, I think it was. And it was inoculation. I, I think they they said inoculation. I know Benjamin Franklin. I think he used the word vaccination mm-hmm. when he talked about his his son dying of smallpox and wishing yep. that he had been able to vaccinate him yeah like no the founding fathers were not anti-vax don't appropriate them for your stupid ignorant blinkered cause yep and 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 to then like oh my god the caucasity to to rope martin dr martin luther king jr Mm -hmm. into this is like do you understand that that he and and the other people the the other the other black people working for their civil rights they had dogs sicked on them they were they were shot with water cannons mm-hmm. and you're trying to say that you're following in their footsteps with this when you're standing here in a fucking comic book mask in mm-hmm. front of a comic book convention and you're trying to argue that this is some kind of civil disobedience action like who who the fuck are you yeah. like it i don't even called, oh it was my called god variolation by the way variolation oh variolation yeah. there we go yeah but so like yeah oh so yeah some people <sighs> take their cosplay way too seriously Uh, A reporter said that, uh, did I ever tell you about uh, down in Celebration 2015, uh, my brother and I were there and there was one of those assholes with the megaphone and the giant sign about, you know, burning in hell, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He and I got pictures with the guy. Um, Nice. Yeah. I went up to him like, dude, can I get your picture? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Good. I said, dude, your commitment to being an asshole amazing costume amazing costume. thanks Not if I want. oh goals right there hashtag hashtag goals so there was a yeah. reporter who was reporting on these people and he said that uh quote a disturbing number of them really do view themselves as a harried freedom fighters defending their children against a totalitarian menace this is especially worrisome given that I've been seeing more and more insinuation of violence as in this post by anti-vaxxer Larry Cook. In it, by the way, it shows there's a tweet of how a Glock works. Uh, and these are the same folks who dressed up like Star Wars characters and tried the same shit at Disneyland, which is where an outbreak of measles originated from about uh, what six years ago. Yeah. Um, quote, coupled with the not infrequent violent rhetoric of the anti-vaccine movement, seeing how much anti-vaxxers identify with rebels, heroes, and terrorists fighting despotic regimes or even a dark lord, and how they act out those fantasies by cosplaying Star Wars characters and a character like V worries me. 
And I don't think my concern is unreasonable. Now, that was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Now, both the right and the left whack jobs are adopting the symbol as their own. Uh, however, a left wing whack job is far less dangerous than a right wing whack job, as history has shown us. Uh, yes. Because, of course, they're adopting that symbol because symbols are precisely the thing that V was striking out against to start with. So why not miss the point that fucking big? Yep. When V for Vendetta came out in comic book form, it was a British comic written about a specifically British sensibility. Alan Moore and David Lloyd saw eventual anarchism as an anecdote to creeping fascism in the face of apathy. When DC optioned it to a movie with the Warner Brothers in 2006, it was a movie that was about the American war on terror and the effects of militarism on a civilian society. The changing of the words' meanings figured in much more heavily than did the message of anarchism this time around. And currently, that same change is a very important theme in the movie, as is the presence of the, uh, of the camps and the anti-queer emphasis of the fascists in charge in the movie. Further, the comic book itself is coming back into vogue. According to writer Emily Asher Perrin on TOR, quote, V for Vendetta is a film that has managed to grow more poignant over time rather than less, which is an achievement in its own right. She wrote an article a little bit after the Orlando nightclub shooting of 2016. Uh. She pointed out a number of things that the film did right, specifically by taking away its specific Britishness and universalizing some of the overarching themes. So basically... She's like, no, Alan Moore is dead fucking wrong. This movie is really good specifically because it stopped doing what he wanted it to do. Yeah. She said, quote, the director, uh, James McTeague, was quick in interviews to point out that while society they while the society they depicted had much in common with the certain American institutions, they were meant to serve as analogs for anywhere uh, with similar practices. He stated explicitly that while the audience might see Fox News in the Norse Fire Party news station's BTN, it could easily be Sky News over in the UK or any other numbers of similarly like-minded venues. Or uh, the <clears throat> Russian state-run media. Yeah. yeah. The Chinese state-run media. Yeah. Yeah. She also points out how queer-centric and queer-friendly the film actually is, which in hindsight makes it even more sense given who the Wachowski sibs are. Yep. Quote, the Wachowski script is focused even more on the struggle of the queer population under the Norse Fire Party, which was starting to see in film like this even 10 years ago and still is today, if we're being frank. To be fair, giving an audience a crash course in anarchy and how it should oppose fascism in a story where no one is a definitive hero would have been a tall order for a two-hour film. And this, to me, is what Weaving and Lloyd both got right and more got, got wrong, even though, you know, Lloyd and Weaving also had moneyed interests. Um, the movie had to stray from its original source material so that it would make sense. What a movie does in two hours, a comic book literally has years to unfold. And sacrifices of content have to be made to maintain tone and sometimes you universalize the ideas behind the content in the first place. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Now, even the existential Christ that V creates for Evie is less ambiguous in the movie. And it has to be. And 
it's less a problem now than it was in 2006 because we don't have time to be nice. We don't have time <laughs> to dither. We have decisions to make about our national identity because there are midterms coming up and there's another election coming up and we just had the pooched anniversary. Uh, we have to decide how we're going to live out our personal identity. And if we need to if we need to create a crucible to burn away the bullshit exterior, then the quicker the better because people are literally gunning for us. Quote, Evie is unable to live honestly to achieve any amount of personal freedom to break away from the painful past. The entire film is about how fear numbs us and how it turns us against one another, how it leads to despair and self-enslavement. That the Wykowski Sibs are trans folk does not escape the author's notice either, nor does it go without uh, analysis vis-a-vis -vis the film. Um, I have a quote here, but it looks like you wanted to say something. No, no, no. No, I'm oh, just okay. I'm worrying with something here that you can't see on camera. It's okay. So the the possibility of trans themes in V for Vendetta are born out of born out clearly in Evie's and V's respective transformations. For Evie, a harrowing physical ordeal where she is repeatedly told that she is insignificant and alone leads to an evaluation of consciousness. She comes out the other side a completely different person, later telling V that she ran into an old coworker who had looked her in the eye and couldn't recognize her. On V's side, when Evie tries to remove his mask, he tells her that the flesh underneath the mask, the body that he possesses, is not truly him. While this speaks to V's desire to move beyond mortal man and embody an idea, it is also true that his body is something that was taken from him, brutalized, and used by the people at Lark Hill. Having had his physical form reduced to the status of experiment, V no longer identifies with his body. More importantly, once he expresses this, Evie never attempts to remove his mask again, respecting his right to appear as he wishes to be seen. Okay. Keep That's, in mind, she, yeah. yeah, she wrote that after the Orlando shooting. Yeah. And at that time, the most alarming thing about Donald Trump wasn't that he had won the presidency or fomented an insurrection. But it was that he was actively campaigning based on hate. Yeah. Quote, I think about the candidate for president who used Orlando as a reason to say, I told you so, to turn us against each other, to feel more powerful, to empower others who feel the same way. And I think about this film and the erasure of the victims at Lark Hill, locked up for any difference that then made... Uh, any difference that made them a threat to the state too foreign too brown too opinionated too queer then i think about the fact that my partner was followed down the street a few days after the shooting by a man who was shouting all about evil lesbians and how ungodly people should burn should burn in fires i think about the rainbow wrist brand my partner bought in solidarity but decided not to wear because there are times when it's better to be safe than it is to stand tall and make yourself a target and I think about the fact that this film is for Americans and for everyone, and the fact that it didn't still didn't contain the themes of the original graphic novel. And I dare you to tell me that it doesn't matter today, that we don't need it, that we shouldn't remember it and learn from it. We need these reminders at this exact moment in time. Do not let your leaders make you afraid of your neighbors. Do not be complacent in the demonization of others through inaction. Do not let your fear of the other, of the past, of being seen, dictate your actions 
find your voice, act on behalf of those with less power than you, fight. And above all, love. Love your neighbors and your strangers and people who are different from you in every conceivable way. Love art and mystery and ideas. Remember that it is the only true triumphant response to hate. So for her, Via Frendetta, what she was what she called a visceral reminder of my own re- revelation, all wrapped up in a tale about a man wearing a Guy Fox mask who wanted a government wanted governments to be afraid of their people who wanted revenge on anyone who would dare hurt others for being different. A tale of a woman who was reborn with a new capacity for love of lack of for love and a lack of fear. And that was just let's see six years, ago. six years ago. Yeah. Now we could add on to that. The, uh, the fact that the camps for kids hasn't been closed down yet. Yeah, you could add on to that that the constant gaslighting over formerly agreed upon definitions occurred for the fucking four years. Yep. Um, and that uh, certain powers that were grabbed haven't been given back. Add on to that the Muslim ban that occurred. Uh, add on to that all sorts of totalitarian tendencies that continue. Yeah. And suddenly everything that Moore was warning us against, everything that he was writing about has become much more prescient. Finally, uh, actually, before I get to this final point, uh, yeah. was, was there more that you wanted to add or ask or push on that? Um, I think, I think that the the prescience involved in the in the queerness of the film mm-hmm. is an interesting note mm-hmm. because in in the comic. Uh, LGBT people are rounded up with, you know, as as the author that you quoted said, with anybody mm-hmm. who was too different, right? And the very clearly racial fascist, you know, like conformity is everything, and if you don't physically conform and ideologically conform, right, we're gonna we're gonna lock you up and 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 you know eliminate you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that at the moment when the movie got made, mm-hmm. we had we in the United States as a dominant culture, the, the dominant culture of the United States, mm-hmm. but is what I mean by that, because uh, phrasing. Um, but but as as the you know the, the dominant culture here had moved to a place where in response to the jingoism and the knee jerk racism of, of, you know, the, the nation's response to nine 11, you know, there could be kind of a tangential mention of Muslims as a victim group. Oh yeah. And they could be much more overt about talking about queer folk as Mm -hmm. a victim group of Mm -hmm. the government with, with, um, uh, Stephen Fry's character embodying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, however, we don't get the anti-black racism of of the Norse fire movement right. portrayed. We don't see that. We don't see the anti-foreigner in general racism, the the white supremacy. Mm-hmm. To, to nutshell it all uh, the white supremacy of the, of the Norse fire movement is 
alluded to without ever being acknowledged directly, which, I mean, yeah. you, you've already, you've already pointed out, but I, I think it's right. interesting that our, our awareness as a dominant culture had gotten to a point where there were some of those things that could be directly dealt with, even if only for a moment. And then there were other parts that, you know, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna say that out loud. Right. And I think if, if the film were going to be made again today. Oh yeah. Definitely be shifting focus. All of that would be different. Yes. Um, I mean the, the, well, in 2006, we were trying very hard to still be polite about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's that's before Eric Garner was killed. That's before Ferguson. That's before a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then you had a massive convulsion of violence against black people by the police. And yeah. And on and on and on. Um, and it's it seems to have only escalated. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think because it is very much a zeitgeisty film. Uh, yeah. whatever you would plug into what was the bother at that time on an existential level not not yeah. just like yeah, you yeah. know but, yeah yeah i i think i think it's interesting that that is something that makes the film like if you and i were to sit down and watch it now it would be remarkably dated yes yes which is kind of a weakness yeah absolutely absolutely you know, and yet that's our freaking bed and butter in here so. yeah well this is true so you know there we go now, Here's here's a fun fact about the Guy Fox masks. You ready for this? Yeah. They're trademarked by Warner Brothers, <laughs> which is owned by Time Warner. Because of course they are. Right. I mean, you know, and come on. Time Warner is one of the largest media conglomerates in the world. Very powerful. And every single mask that is sold means that the licensing fee goes to Time Warner. Yep. Now, originally, it was adopted by Anonymous to protect their identities and protest the Church of Scientology, specifically that. But it morphed from there, as symbols often do. Quote, it had a chilling effect. There were literally thousands of people standing silently in front of the Church of Scientology, wearing the same Guy Fox mask, uh, said a woman named Miss Coleman. The photos and the videos that appeared in the news uh, from the protests cemented the mask as a symbol of Anonymous. Mm-hmm. quote with the help of anonymous the mask has become one of the most popular disguises and in a small way has added to the 28 billion dollars in revenue that time warner accumulated last year uh, i think this was written in this article came from 2019 uh it was the top selling mask on amazon.com yeah it was such surprising it was such a hot item that people were selling it uh have only recently learned what its popularity actually stems from we sell over 100,000 of these masks a year and it's by far the best-selling mask that we sell said howard beige the executive vice president of ruby ruby's costume okay sorry sorry his last name is actually beige yes i know every once in a while you run into a last name you're like wow okay that's (laughs) okay okay then yeah all right uh, in comparison, we usually only sell 5,000 or so of our masks. The Vendetta mask, which sells for about $6 at many retailers, is made in Mexico or China, Mr. Beige said. So I, I, have, I have a song suddenly showing up in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? 
yeah. You know, and how long yep. will the workers keep building him new ones as long yep. as their soda cans are red, white, and blue ones? Yep. You know, your chaos won't convert them. Mm-hmm. Your self-destruction doesn't hurt them. Like, I, I also think, you uh, know, no shelter here by Rage Against the Machine, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good know. one. Good one. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I just love that, <laughs> you know, after all is said and done, the very people they're protesting are the ones that are selling them their masks. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. For the, for the, for the, identi- uh, not identify for the uh, Occupy movement to mm-hmm. to have adopted that mask is like yeah whoops yeah that's a slip up guys yeah that's that's not that's i would have great. loved if they'd use sting masks oh there you go that would have been cool yeah but anyway so yeah uh v for vendetta was 100 overblown for the time that it was in and that's what made it perfect for the time that it was in uh yeah. both in the comic form in the 80s in britain and in the movie form in the 20 aughts in america and that is that so what have you gleaned? Um, I think what I'm going to carry away from this is the the remarkable specificity of time and place mm-hmm. that that so very much affected like the central thrust of of the of the two works. Yeah, like I don't think the original comic could have come out of a different era than Thatcher's Britain. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I I, like, I I don't, I don't think, I don't think in late twenties Germany, you could have seen that even though, right. You know, you had similar political elements. I don't, I don't think you could have seen that. I think you're right. Um, I think because there wasn't the same level of apathy, in 20s Germany. <laughs> uh, um, and then for the movie, mm-hmm. I don't think you would have seen that movie get made if there hadn't been the Patriot Act. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Just because like the the people who were starting to have a reaction to the Patriot Act. Mm-hmm um that's that's what this movie was you know that's that's what this movie codified yeah you know and and without without that real world event happening there would not have been a need for for this film but there was one and i mean earlier i complained about the you know uh as you said liberal fantasy kind of kind of nature of the of the resolution of the ending Mm-hmm. But again, when this movie was made, that was the version of that message that people who were upset about the state of our democracy right. needed on an emotional level needed to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the reason I'm disappointed in that ending now is because of what I've lived through since. Yeah. It, it's, you know, you know and it's, so there's, there's some presentism in my reaction. Well, I think that presentism is, is perfectly acceptable with movies like this because a movie like V for Vendetta, a comic book like V for Vendetta, were both specifically reacting to a thing that they opposed at that time. 
that is a uh, a success and a failure. Yeah, it just sense. is. You know, commercially, yeah. Yeah. clearly, it's got legs, uh, but they're short. Um, <laughs> ethically, hey. you could get a lot more out of it. Uh, you know, funny. Uh, <laughs> ethically, you could get a lot more out of it. Um, but you know, at the at the end of the day, both of these you know pieces of media are specifically set against a certain time and place ideology yeah so cool hey are you reading anything um right now i am not fair enough um, right now yeah. i'm your hips still yeah I'm <laughs> and and you know boxes uh we, sure. we don't we don't talk about the office because uh, right <laughs> because the other rooms we've cleared out but the office no so we're we're working on that so i i have not been cool able to do much reading right now sadly how about you yeah actually i'm going to recommend uh incidents in the life of a slave girl by harriet jacobs okay um and it is um harrowing it is hard at times uh it's painful to read uh but it's really really necessary reading um i strongly recommend reading that 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 should be on people's list for the first uh half of this year okay um so yeah, where can people find you on social medias? Um, I can be found on social media at E.H. Blaylock on the Twitter and E.H. Uh, Blaylock on the Instagram. And I'm on the Tiki Talks as Mr. Blaylock. Where, sir, can you be found? Uh, you know, if you stick to Duh Harmony, uh, both on Insta and Twitter, two H's in the middle, um, then you'll find me. Um, I would say that we have a live show coming up, but I'm not quite sure when this episode is going to drop. And we canceled the January show, as people probably have figured out by now, uh, because it's just not safe and I'm not going to yeah. be a part of that. So, um, yeah, uh, you said where they could find us collectively. Yeah, I have not said where they oh, can cool. find us collectively because I wanted to ask you where you can be found individually first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, but we can collectively be found uh, online at geekhistorytime.com uh, and uh, at geekhistorytime on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Yeah. And also, you can find this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, and the Apple Store. Please subscribe. It costs you nothing. And please rate us and review us. Give us five stars you know we deserve and and put something pithy in your uh, in your review. I read them all. Um, And finally, of course, tell at least three friends. Um, That's still seven fewer friends that you could affect with COVID. Um, So you're doing a double service that way. So please tell about three friends. Yeah. Um, And uh, tell them to enjoy the buffet. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, for geek history of time i'm damien harmony and i'm ed blaylock and until next time keep rolling 20s